Leadership File on Premier. It's my joy to welcome you to The Leadership File, the show that aims to help you lead as Christ would have you lead wherever he has placed you. I'm Andy Peck, your host. Uh, and whether you listen live on a Sunday or one of many thousands who catch up via the podcast, it's great that you can join us. So you'll be aware that many charities develop as someone sees a need and seeks to fill it. But what is not so common is for such charities to be able to scale up and thrive. And I'm joined this week by Alistair and Debbie Welford, who founded Nicodemus, a charity which, in their words, aims to rescue marginalised young people, help them restore their own lives, and then equip and empower them to rebuild their communities. Uh, believing in young people is their strapline. Uh, Nicodemus means victory of the people in Greek. And over the last uh, two years, they've sold their business, including a farm and their home, so they can focus on Nicodemus following a time when God made it clear that they needed to get serious uh, about their work. We've, they've seen God's hand on Nic Nicodemus in a way right beyond, which is much beyond what they could humanly have expected. So I'm delighted to be joined by Alistair and Debbie from their base in Ox Hill in Warwickshire. So thank you guys for joining us. Good morning. Uh, so you, you must have uh, shared the story of your start many times. Uh, do you remember the, the moment when you thought, yes, yes, we, we need to do something? Yes, certainly I do. Um, it, it, was, it was a time when we were walking on the streets in Guatemala City and uh, I'd been working with a, another organisation which rescued street children there. And we had started to encounter young people who I'd seen rescued previously 10 to 12 years before, go through childcare, um, leave childcare for their families and return to families, but they were back on the street again. And for me, that was something that went really deep. Um, it, it, it went right to my core. Um, I felt their pain. I could not believe that young people that had been through a process of restoration um, could end up exactly where they started again. And it was that moment uh, that God made crystal clear that we had to do something. Right, right. Uh, and Debbie, uh, you were uh, obviously uh, positive about this, what Alistair was saying? Yes, although it was only my first trip to um, Latin America, um, I'd heard lots of stories from Alistair um, about the young people that he'd met there previously and it shocked me too that, that this unfortunately could happen yet again, um, that the, the young people have gone full circle really. And at the time um, it, we just knew that something had to be done. Um, and. We met a, a young person um, on my second trip to Guatemala um, called Jorge. And uh, he, he had previously, Alistair had actually seen him being rescued from the street life and in a children's home. <clears throat> and um, although he wasn't actually on the streets, he was very close to going back to the streets. His situation was very tenuous at the time. and. He wanted to continue with his studies, and so we felt that that God wanted us to support him with his education. And we said 
to him that that's what we would like to do. And he then said to us, which took us quite by surprise, what can I do for you? And immediately we we felt God saying, tell him that he what he could do for us in return actually was what he could do for God, which was to reach out to other people who were struggling. And at that moment, he just broke down and sobbed. And after a minute or two, we said to him, I'm sorry, did we say something that upset you? And he said, no, I just never thought that anyone would think that I could help someone else. And for us, that that made us realize that there was going to be more to Nicodemus than just education scholarships. And actually what he said has now become the core of the Nicodemus vision in that as you are helped, then you can help others. And we've seen this again and again happening with the young people. And well, Alistair will continue to tell you um, just what a difference it makes to their lives. And just to underline street, when we're talking street people, it's, it's literally children begging on the streets, getting money whatever way they can. That's that's correct. Yes, they, and whatever the way they can is probably the worst thing you can imagine yes. in some cases. Yes, uh, it's it's quite a horrendous situation. Yeah, yeah. So there, there will be other charities in this kind of space. Uh, what, what's your kind of unique selling point, if I can use that language, the business language? <laughs> yes, you can. It certainly um, it, for us. Um, the post-childcare age is our focus, our primary focus. Um, we recognise that supporting young people um, post-childcare or in that late teenage, early 20s stage is critical. Um, what we have seen and learned is that these young people, although wrestling with life, um, have got an immense amount of energy and with a bit of guidance and support and not telling them what to do, but just mentoring them through um, life, uh, that they become actually real activators. And they, they, they have, they, you know, qualified by the, their own experience of street life of just hardship generally, they then, when they speak with others, are very well qualified to, to, to make change. So in our case, to answer your question, the unique contribution is that we see these young adults that have many charities were supported in an incredible way as being major activators for change in their communities that actually go on changing the world. So if we can assist those young people to get on the right course to survive and thrive and then have a vision for their future, and their country's future, they will be the ones that will make the difference and the change with God's help. Um, so our part is just a part on the way of helping that actually happen. And if I may, I'll just give you a, a couple of quick examples. Please do, yes, absolutely. We've got, uh, I mentioned two people in Guatemala, two young, young adults. One's called Alejandra. And Alejandra, about four to five years ago, was living on the streets. She had been on the streets for nine years. Um, the consequence of uh, you know, abuse in the family as a result of drug use and um, alcohol actually in her family community in a very poor environment. And she ended up living there for nine years. And she came off the streets, as I say, about four and a half years ago. And um, 
we've been supporting her since then through the Young Adults Programme. And the Young Adults Programme, is, she's had a mentor, she's had education, scholarship. Um, she's had the opportunity to engage as a group with community activities. She's been had the opportunity to volunteer in her own right. Now, that latter point is something that we can all easily take for granted. Um, the point about volunteering for your own right for a young person who's got no money and no resources to actually get a bus to go and volunteer is a big issue. So we support young people like this with the uh, with bus fares or or whatever it needs to allow them to have that experience of being able to volunteer. And all that allows them to get this hunger for wanting to use their past for good. And in fact, as they do that, that produces a sense of healing in them. So as we, as we do that, um, what that means is in Alejandra's case, she has gone on, she is now just recently, in fact, only yesterday, uh, graduated as a bombero. Now, a bombero is a person that um, they, 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 they firefight, they are paramedics and their you know, first response, for example, the recent volcanoes going off. And in fact, I hear Fuego has just gone off in Guatemala overnight again. Um, so, you know, this young lady is now highly qualified, four and a half years off the street. And she's taken the decision to actually work with our street rescue project rather than go and get a career as a bombero and use the skills she's learned to actually reach more young people. Now, to me, that's a young person that's come from a horrendous background with a huge vision and that, in her words, she never thought would be possible, but it is possible with God. And that is exactly what's happened and what we're seeing happening. I could go on, there's another one called Christian who's been on a similar journey. Um, I won't go into his story as well because that's even longer. But the, the, my point is, these young people... If they hadn't had the support that we're, we're, we're giving them through this critical age, would not potentially be doing this. Now, that sounds very um, big-headed on my part saying that, but it's not intended to be. It's intended to be an acknowledgement of just a little bit of help for this age group makes all the difference to what they can then become and be. Mm-hmm. As they do that, that is the that is their significance and that creates this healing, deep healing in them as they go on helping others. So our unique contribution is supporting this this age group, be it in Guatemala or the UK. Well, thank you, Alistair. I mean, yeah, f- f- lovely to have a concrete example. And, uh, you know, that's it's those kind of stories that that enable charities to keep, you know, to keep vibrant and encourage support and, and involvement. So you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Alistair and Debbie Welford, uh, who founded uh, Nicodemus. And we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Alistair and Debbie Welford. They founded uh, Nicodemus, a charity which, in their words, aims to rescue marginalised young people, helps them restore their own lives and then equip and empower them to rebuild their communities. Uh, The strapline is believing in young uh, people. And we were talking before the break of of the development of the charity in in Guatemala. And I guess my my next question... uh, to Alistair and Debbie is the fact that yeah, we can understand that there's need for care in, in, in Guatemala perhaps in, in most people's minds they would understand Guatemala as a, a kind of a, a third world country and all the rest of it developing nation but 
but they also are involved in the UK. So perhaps you could explore uh, why that's why it's necessary for you to be working in the UK too. Well, what surprised us hugely um, was that actually the young people, the marginalised young people in the UK, are struggling with the very same issues as the young people in Guatemala. Um, they're not living with their parents for whatever reason. There's been a breakdown in the relationship. They're homeless or sofa surfing or if they're fortunate enough, they're in a hostel. Um, they have exactly the same sort of mental health issues here in the UK as they do in Guatemala. Drugs and alcohol are very much part of their lifestyle um, to help them to block out what's happened to them in the past. Often they're being groomed or are grooming others. Um, often they're in gangs. That becomes their their family, just the same in the UK as it as happens in Guatemala. And as a result of all of that, they have very low self-esteem and confidence. It might not seem like it. Often, you know, we'll see the typical hoodie um, and they seem very aggressive and very um, defensive and very in your face. Um, that's just a way of, of kind of stopping people from from relating to them because they just don't trust anybody. Um, they're lonely and they feel very misunderstood. And um, this is just very similar to what we see in Guatemala. One young lady um, who we, we've worked with um, here in the UK called Rhiannon, well, when we first met her, she couldn't even look you in the eye. Uh, she could barely lift her head. Her, her self-esteem and confidence was very, very low. She was very depressed and really struggling. Um, we offered her a mentor, which she, she took up. And um, the mentor had to be very uh, persistent and persevere, very understanding. Sometimes she'd turn up at Rhiannon's door to say, come on, you know, we've, we've agreed to go out today. And Rhiannon just couldn't do it. It was too much of a struggle. Um, well, three and a half years later, she is now volunteering for Nicodemus. She is working full time and she is a completely different girl. She helped to, um, to uh, I'm losing my words, to create a, a course called Survivors um, with some, some of the other young people and it's to help bring awareness and recognition of domestic abuse, particularly to school children, um, teenage school children. Um, and what we, we found was that so many of the young people have, have suffered domestic abuse. Very often that's the reason why they leave home here in the UK and in Guatemala. And these young people actually want to raise the awareness because as they said we didn't realize that that was what was actually happening to us it was our strange sort of normal in our homes and in our families and we just don't want other young people to go down the route that that we've gone down with the breakdown of the family and them having to leave home and it's the most amazing course and we would love 
to take that into more schools and youth groups across the UK. There'll be church leaders uh, listening and they'll be, you know, maybe anticipating um, this kind of ministry or at least thinking about it. I mean, clearly contacting and working with young people is not without its challenges. Uh, so what are the main ones you, en you envisaged as you thought about the UK and, and connecting with folk? Well, I think the exciting thing for us is one that we're, in our experience, we're seeing churches that are, um, are being called into this type of ministry. And the sad part is that some of them are struggling with what they do and how they do it. And that's where we fit in. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. But the, the, the key things that, that in terms of engaging with young people is being relevant um, most important, unconditional love, and I mean totally unconditional. Because trust me, when you hear, when you speak to a young person or support a young person in the profile that Debbie has described, um, you will hear things. Things will be said. Things won't be said, and sometimes ignored. That are actually can be deeply offensive to us personally. But it's something that we need to get past and be able to leave with God to allow that unconditional love to actually permeate into that young person because that is the single most important thing, that love of God that can reach into a young person. So alongside that, though, that requires us humanly to have patience, perseverance, reliable availability, always being there, uh, and just walking alongside and helping them making good decisions. Always totally forgiving. Um, helping them understand that there is hope for a better future. Now, to me again, all those points all point to this unconditional love. They are the gospel message, which for us as a Christian organisation is vitally important. It's something we hold very close to our hearts and communicate. But we communicate it in a way that is relevant to these young people. And that action, we believe, is very much in line with the Great Commission. It's very much in line with, um, you know, using uh, words as little as possible, but doing it by our actions and being seen the gospel in that way. And to that extent, that's the responsibility we have, because Jesus is evident quite clearly through what we do. Um, so those are, the, those are the key things that I think we we have to sort of address when working with them. And alongside that is the many challenges. Um, I think, you know, that this is something that we have to be very close to. We need to be close to God with this. So the church, in our opinion, is the answer. Well, sadly, time is, is, is rapidly <laughs> passing, guys. So I, I do want to get on to, to, you know, if I'm a, a church leader, um, you know, whether this could be something that I could do. And, you know, it won't be for every church, perhaps, but uh, you, you're working with churches already. What are the kind of things that make a, a church a good candidate for, uh, for involvement in this kind of ministry? Well, definitely the church needs to have a specific calling from God to reach out to marginalised youth in their community. Um, it's... It's not just the leader who has this, who should have this calling. We feel that there should be several in the, con the congregation that are expressing the same calling. And you definitely need backing from your church leadership. Um, there are many churches with this and, and we're here to help if, if they need help to understand how to outwork this calling. 
Wonderful. Uh, and what would be a next step for listeners? Well, next step for listeners would be to uh, for. for for the church leadership or a member of the leadership or a member of the congregation who's got an active interest in being, has got that voice of the leadership to contact us, um, contact us and express an interest. That's all they need to do to start with. And from that, we, we can provide demographic study. We can access funding for the churches. We can provide resources and we can equip and train the church and the people in it to actually reach marginalized youth. That's the part we play. We want to make, help schools to be able to fulfill their call, school, churches to be able to fulfill their calling. Um, we'll give a quick couple of examples. Um, we've got a specialist mentoring system through a church into schools. We've got young dads mentoring teenage dads. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, teenage dads are frequently not supported, but young teenage mums are, usually in care. Um, important thing is that churches have this calling to reach those marginalised youth and if that's the case we could come alongside the church and help them to actually achieve this. Wonderful. And do you have a particular appeal in the run-up to Christmas? Well, as we run up to Christmas, yes, we do. We have um, we have an appeal that's around trying to sort of allow these marginalised youth the opportunity to experience Christmas, and through that, obviously, the love of Jesus. And so, what we did there, there is we've got an appeal where we're offering people the opportunity to to donate five pounds to bring young people together this Christmas and that's usually in the form of a meal somewhere where there's some uh, some people dress up as Santa Claus or have some presents but basically it's to give them the opportunity to experience Christmas and hear a bit more about the gospel story through it. Good, so people go to your website www.nicodemus.org.uk and, uh, and they can just uh, sign up and donate there? Absolutely, sign up on our website for, for the appeal, but also they can access our partner page for anyone interested in actually wanting us to support them with reaching marginalised youth. Wonderful. Well, it's it's been terrific to chat uh, with you, Alistair and, and Debbie. Uh, thank you so much for sharing and for also for making yourselves available to equip others and to, to, to enable other churches to get involved in what you've got involved in as well. So we're, we're really blessed uh, to have you. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So thank you for uh, listening to The Leadership File today. Um, that's Alistair and Debbie uh, Welford. Uh, Welford is W-E-L-F-O-R-D. Uh, Nicodemus.org.uk uh, is where you'll find out more. Uh, do log on to Premier's website and listen to archived versions of The Leadership File, uh, including this one in due course. And uh, look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30 or uh, via the website if you uh, sign up uh, for our podcast. Take care and God bless you. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premiere. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 